Would you turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 26? We're going to start at verse 17. You turn in your Bibles. What a beautiful wedding yesterday, wasn't it? What a wonderful time that was. And many of of our ladies who stepped in and worked the reception, thank you for doing that. What a blessing that was. And I snuck out back during um, the, um, I guess it's my halftime or my intermission. Between 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, I snuck out back and looked up under the pavilion and snapped a few photos. And what a great start to our ladies' fall elective. So if you uh, missed that today, um, join in at 10 o'clock next Sunday morning out under the pavilion. And um, Miss Pam is doing a wonderful job and you will enjoy that so much. So all ladies of all ages are welcome to come. And uh, if you're a male and you want to go, just put a wig on and slip in. No, I'm just kidding. You're not, you're not invited. So. <laughs> Next week, we'll begin a new sermon series, and I'm calling it Hashtag Conversion Culture. Hashtag Conversion Culture. There are many in our society today who have coined a phrase, cancel culture, in which they want to just cancel various things within our society. But I contend with us today that we need a conversion culture, converting back to the ways of God. And so I'm excited next week we'll kick it off. And if you want to get ahead, you can read in the book of Revelation, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And that's where the series is going to come from. And we're going to look at seven churches that God inspired John to write to uh, about their condition and about some things they needed to convert from and two. And so I'm excited about conversion culture as we look at the seven churches in Revelation. So go ahead and read those three chapters before next week and be ready for the sermon series. Today I want to preach a message called Communion, Past, Present, and Future. We're going to partake of this blessed ordinance today together. And I just wanted to read this whole entire passage as we begin This morning, Matthew 26, beginning at verse 17 through verse 30. Now, on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house With my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? Jesus said to him, you have said it. Verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take. 
eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it with you in my father's kingdom. That's the word of the Lord. Can I get an amen for the word of the Lord this morning? We're going to take communion today, not as a ritual, but instead as a way to reflect our relationship with God. Isn't that a beautiful thought today? Communion is not just something to do to go through the motions. It's not a ritual or a rite, but instead it is this beautiful picture of what Christ did for you and me to establish a relationship with us. I'm reminded of the old songwriter that said, he came to me, he came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. As we partake of this, we see that picture. We see the picture as Jesus painted it here in this beautiful last supper with his disciples and used the juice as a symbol for his blood and used the bread as a symbol for his body. Let me say to us this morning that partaking of communion in and of itself does not save us and does not cleanse us from sin. Can I, can, I, can I make that clear this morning? We take of communion in response to the fact that we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And if you've done that, say amen. Isn't that a beautiful thing? To know our sins are forgiven, to know we have relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And once we have established our relationship and our sins have been forgiven, then there are times like this when we come together and we take of the Lord's cup in this beautiful ordinance to remember what Christ has done for you and I. You see, I don't take communion today out of obligation, but instead I see it. As an opportunity. Today is our opportunity to remember what Christ has done for us. Today is our opportunity to honor his blessed name. Today is our opportunity for us as we partake of holy communion to say, Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you, God, for dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Oh, can I just be personal this morning? Can I tell you that when I partake of this, I will thank him for all the many sins that he has forgiven me. I will thank him that he is a personal friend and a personal savior. Oh, when I partake of this beautiful cup of communion, I will thank him that week after week I can stand right here in this pulpit and I can be confident in preaching to you that Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you and that we can be saved from our sins. Oh, it is an opportunity this morning. I thank God that it's an opportunity that we can remember what he has done for us. It is an opportunity for us to reverence him. You see, when we take of this cup of communion and we break the bread together. It should be a time of reverence 
There should be a holy reverence among us as we think about the sacredness, as we think about, as one scripture says, as we think about God's unspeakable gift. It was unspeakable to even think and conceive that God would give his only son for you and I. And we reverence him as we take of communion together. And then we reflect, we reflect about Jesus and his work on the cross. One writer said it this way. As we reflect, we remember that Jesus was broken for us so we can be fixed by him. Jesus was broken for us so we can be fixed by him. Anybody need to be repaired today? Anybody need to be fixed today? Anybody you say, I am living under the weight of sin that has been in my life and I need that burden to be taken away. I have good news. He was broken for you. He was broken for me. He was broken for whosoever will. And if you need to be fixed, we have a broken savior who brings healing to us. His body was bruised and broken and torn apart. His blood was shed so he can heal you And me, if you believe it, say amen this morning. So communion, past, present, and future. Very quickly, go with me to Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse number 12. And let's look just briefly at some historical background, really, of leading into this beautiful passage that we just read together. Exodus 12, beginning at verse number 12. This is... When God's people, the Israelites, were in Egyptian bondage and God had raised Moses up to lead them out of slavery, lead them out of bondage. And God was putting his judgment upon the land of Egypt. And one of the most severe judgments was the death angel was going to pass through the land that night. And all the firstborn, animal and human, were going to be killed But here we see that God tells his people to take a lamb and sacrifice that lamb to me. And then take the blood and apply it to the doorpost of your house. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Oh, I think about that old song in the hymn book. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. You see, why am I getting so excited about that? Because it was all symbolic of the Lamb of God that John saw coming when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All of that was symbolic of Christ who was going to come as the perfect lamb of God to shed his blood for you and I. And the good news for you and the good news for me is that if the blood of Christ is applied to our heart and our lives, when the judgment comes, it will pass over us. I will pass, I will pass over you. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. You see, the lamb took the fatal blow so that everyone in the household could be saved. And that night in Egypt, as the, as the death angel came through, he passed over because the lamb, a little lamb, had taken the blow and the blood had been put upon the doorpost. But we see over in the New Testament that Christ took the fatal blow so the entire world could be saved. 
Let's read about it here in Exodus 12, 12 through 14. It said, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. For the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. And you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And so then when we come into this passage in Matthew, we see that Jesus and his disciples are keeping that feast. They are keeping that ordinance. They are keeping that Passover. And Jesus tells the disciples, hey boys, go into town. You will find this man and tell him that we're gonna use his room to keep the Passover. But little did they fully realize that Jesus was not just going to keep the Passover, but in a sense, he was going to fulfill the Passover. And just a few short days later, he was going to die on the cross as the lamb slain even before the foundation of the world. What does that mean to us then presently? Presently, look with me, Matthew 26, 26. We look to the past, we see the Passover, we see Jesus celebrating the Passover, and then he's going to become the sacrificial lamb himself. But what does all that mean to us presently? Look please at verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The new covenant. You and I have the privilege. You and I have the opportunity. You and I have the honor to live not under the old covenant, not under the old law, but we live in the age and the dispensation of grace. We live in the New Testament times, the new covenant, the new agreement. And in the old covenant, as was reflected in the Passover and in the sacrifice system, they had to try to atone for sins through the blood of animals and sacrifices. But we live today under the age of grace and under the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thought. I don't have to wait until the day of atonement to try to be forgiven. If I fail the Lord, I can approach the great high priest, Jesus Christ, my full atonement, and I can obtain forgiveness. I don't have to die in my sins. I can approach Jesus Christ and I can be saved. We live presently in the new covenant, the new agreement. You see this new covenant, this sacrifice that Christ made for us is the solution for our self problem. Our self problem. Can I just tell you that sometimes my biggest problem is my self. 
And sometimes maybe your biggest problem is your sin. Anybody relate to that? But Christ is here to help us. Christ has come with grace and mercy. And he's here under the new covenant to guide us, to forgive us, to help us. He is the solution for our self-problem. But greater than that, he is the solution for our sin problem. All of us, our righteousness, according to the Bible, is as filthy rags. All of us were born into sin. All of us are headed towards judgment and wrath of God because of sin and the sin curse. But the good news is that Christ died for all of us. The good news is that every one of us can receive forgiveness and atonement for our sin. The good news is the burden and the weight of sin can be lifted off of your life and off of my life. And then he who the son sets free is free indeed. I am thankful that I do not have to live this life under the burden and the weight and the heaviness of sin. I can be forgiven. I can be made righteous. Isn't that an awesome thought? Do you know how it feels? The grieving in your heart and soul when you sin. Do you know how it feels? The heaviness and the weightiness of sin. Can you imagine not being able to be free from that burden? But I thank God that presently I have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has taken away the burden of sin. And the old account has been settled. You see, in the past... They could atone for sin with the animal sacrifices. It would cover it, but it really didn't remove it. It would cover it. It would, it would appease God. But we are under a greater covenant. And not only can our sins be covered, our lives, our very hearts and lives can be changed and be made like God because Jesus died on the cross. I'm thankful this morning. How about you? I am thankful this morning. It is my honor this morning. It is my opportunity this morning to tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ. It is our honor this morning to take of the Lord's Supper together and celebrate his death and burial and resurrection and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. One final thought, future. We've talked about communion in the past, present But also, when we take of the Lord's table together in a few moments, we are reminded of a glorious future that awaits every child of God. The coming kingdom age with Christ. Look with me, Matthew 26, 29. But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The beautiful thing is that when we take the cup here in a few moments, and when we take the body of, of in a few moments, the beautiful thing is that it also reminds us there's going to be a time, probably not that far off in the future, that we'll be together with him. There's a time that's coming. He says, I'm not talking about himself. I'm not going to take of this anymore until that day. Until that day. There is a day that we as children of God are looking and longing 
4. There's a beautiful wedding banquet that's coming. The marriage supper of the Lamb. What a beautiful reception we were in last evening. What a beautiful scenery. And when they raised up those doors and windows and we could see out over the mountains and the sun was peeking through and all the wonderful fellowship and the delicious food and all that wonderful celebration. But far greater than even that could ever be. There is going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb when we partake with Christ in his kingdom. What a beautiful thought that's going to be. You say, Pastor Greg, I have nothing to look forward to in my life. Oh, yes. If you know Jesus Christ, we have lots to look forward to. We have a celebration, the marriage supper of the lamb to look forward to when Jesus Christ himself will gird himself, spread the banquet table and host us with the saints of all the ages. And we'll partake with him in the new kingdom. You see, when we take of the cup today, when we take of the Lord's supper today, we can look back and we can remember the Old Testament times that were foreshadowing the coming of Christ. We can look in the present and realize he has come and now we live in the age of grace, the church age, the dispensation of grace. But we can then also look to the future and say, oh, we have a glorious future one day with him. Christ, our Lord. Let's just say that together. Christ, our Lord. Let's say it. Christ, our Lord. Let's say it one more time. Christ, our Lord. Are you thankful for Christ this morning? Are you thankful today that we have the opportunity? What a privilege, what an honor it is for us to take communion together this morning and to worship him, to honor him, to bless him. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the praise team to come and get into place. I'm going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And just hold that spot for a few moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. And as they're getting in place to sing a song for us. We'll ask the communion team if they would come at this time here at the the front and they're going to prepare to serve you the elements today. And if you would, as you receive the elements, if you would just hold those with you, you'll have, have one packet. The wafer is on the top. And then the juice is on the bottom. If you would, just hold those as they sing. Take some time to worship and reflect. And when they finish the song and they finish serving, I'll come back and we will participate together in this beautiful ordinance. So just just hold your element until we're ready to do that. But praise team, if you would sing for us. And communion team, if you would serve the, the people at this time. Thank you all. Let me read to you, please. First Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it 
And he said, take, eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pay close attention to these next verses, please. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. Let me say that again. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this, many, for this reason, many are sick. Excuse me. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. For when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. At least you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Paul is telling us, let's do this correctly. Let's do this properly. Let's do this sacredly. And let's examine our hearts before we partake of the Holy Communion. And that's exactly what I want us to take a few moments to do right now before we take the, the bread and take the juice. And I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and personal Savior? And if you don't, let me urge you right now, right where you are, to make that commitment, to ask him to come into your life, to forgive your sins, to change your heart and life. It'll be the best decision you have ever, ever, ever made in your life. Let me ask you this, those who who say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But Paul tells us to examine ourselves too. And so I want us to examine ourselves this morning as we have the holy elements with us. I want you to think. Think about our attitudes. Think about our lifestyle. Think about our actions, our words, our deeds. If there's any unconfessed sin... In your life, I urge you today to confess your sin to the Lord. Because he says, if you confess, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So can we have a time of examination this morning? Would you just bow your head right where you are? As an individual today, would you please examine your heart? Make sure everything's right with God. Make sure every sin is forgiven. Make sure that the blood is applied to our hearts and to our lives. God, we ask you to forgive us today. Forgive us for bad attitudes. Forgive us for bad actions. Forgive us of sins of omission, sins of commission. Lord, make us more like you. And Lord, you told us here in this passage that if we would judge ourselves, then we wouldn't have to face judgment. So, Lord, let us examine our own hearts. Let us, let us allow you to convict us and, and change us so that we won't face the judgment and wrath of the unbeliever or the world. 
But God, that we would be cleansed and your righteousness would rest upon us. Lord, that you would put your righteousness upon us and in us and change our hearts, oh God, and make us more like you. Change our hearts, oh God. May we be like you. Cleanse us today by your blood. Forgive us, oh God, and let us be more like you. And Lord, as we begin now to take these beautiful elements, we remember and honor you. We remember and honor you. We thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're, you're ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, the Holy Sacrament of Communion today, you just take the wafer in your hand and see this broken little wafer and we reminded of the body Christ's body that was broken for you and I we thank you Lord and we take it let's eat and take it all we thank you Jesus thank you Lord you were bruised beaten for us your body was broken that we might be healed Lord we thank Take the cup. It represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the remission of our sin. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We take it. We take it as an act of worship. We take it and we thank you, God, for the blood that you shed. Would you take, please, and drink all this blood?